Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, friends, my next guest is Mark Hankin from Hankin Patent Law. And Mark is a registered patent attorney, and his company handles all kinds of intellectual property, patent, trademark, and copyright law. Mark, can you hear me? I'm here. Yeah, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Great. Thanks very much for joining us. I understand you're you're out of the city here, and thanks very much for taking the time to, to patch in with us. Mark, uh, we always like to start off with uh, a background on our guests, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about what led you to get into this line of work? Sure. So I was actually in medical school, and I didn't like medical school, <laughs> but I did like science a lot, and I ended up teaching high school physics and chemistry got a degree in biology, a master's degree in biology, and I was doing science and ended up, you know, teachers need summer jobs, so I got a summer job at a law firm, and they, I got a job as a paralegal. Two weeks into it, they put me on a patent case, and I didn't even know patent law existed, but there was a chance for me to use my science and get paid like a lawyer and be on the cutting edge of a lot of really interesting disciplines in science without being in the lab. Uh, this is just great, so I applied to law school, got in and went, and been doing it now a lot of years. So tell us about your company. Uh, it's it's Hankin Patent Law. And what do you do at Hankin Patent Law? Well, uh, I'm the managing partner, founding partner of Hankin Patent Law. I have five attorneys, three law clerks, and a paralegal. And we do intellectual property law in many different facets. In the world of lawyers, we're very, very narrow. In the world of intellectual property lawyers, we're very broad. So we do patents, trademarks, and copyrights unfair competition and trade secrets. We write patent trademarks and copyrights, we license them, and we litigate them. And we do them typically in the chemical, mechanical, and electrical spaces. Okay, so you have, you're very specific in that regard. And when does someone typically contact you? Is it when they're thinking they have an idea that might need to be protected, or have they already done some trials or tests, or what's a typical scenario when someone will contact you? The, the best time to contact a patent attorney is as early as possible. We work with clients, who, many of whom have made disclosures or have been selling product. The best time is to come to us before they have actually disclosed the idea, before they've made the product, because we can help them help prevent them from making mistakes that people make. For example, you have only one year to file a patent application after you first disclose the invention or after you first offer it for sale. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people, their idea won't catch on for a little while. They wait because they don't necessarily have the funds to get a patent application, but by waiting they actually lose the right to get a patent. So the sooner they come to us, the better. Plus, the law changed in, 19, in uh, 2013, March 18, 2013, the final implementation of the America Invents Act came into place, and that changed the United States from a first-to-invent country to a first-to-file country. And so filing early has become very, very important. And what, how does that uh, impact someone, the first-to-invent versus first-to-file? For the well, I, I call it I call it the America Screws Inventors Act. I mean, it really, unfortunately, <laughs> is one of these situations where 
big companies that have in-house patent counsel, they're going to do fine. They've got patent lawyers there, and they can work on their disclosures, and they can file patent applications whenever they want. The, the, the kinds of companies that made America great are garagists, mom and pops, small solo inventors, small startups, companies that have one great idea and that take those and capitalize them and make them really successful, whether they end up selling out to a big company or becoming a big company themselves. When you look at a lot of the companies in the United States that started out, many of them started out with a technological invention. Mm -hmm. And because those small companies don't have in-house patent counsel, because they don't have ways to easily get patent applications, sometimes they would take some time. They'd have to raise funds, they'd have to find a lawyer, hire a lawyer, work with a lawyer, and it wasn't as easy as for the big multinational corporations. Listen, I represent some of them as well, and for my big company clients, the American Vents Act is, is got some issues, but it's not as bad. But for the small companies, for the solos, it's really a problem. Because what it does is it puts a lot of pressure on them to have to try to get funding early on and file early on, which they may not be ready to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, because the law changed, it used to be in the old days, maybe you heard about a poor man's patent where you put something in an envelope and you sign on the seal and mail it off to yourself. I've always wanted to open one of those in front of a jury. I thought that'd be a dramatic thing to do. <laughs> Of course, no longer does that matter, because since March of 2013, it no longer matters that you can prove you invented first, because what you have to prove is that you filed first. So those sorts of shortcuts don't even matter anymore. And now you have to actually hire a patent attorney and file your application. So what's the difference between a, a trademark and a patent for our listeners? When would they use one versus another, Mark? Sure. So a patent protects an invention, it could be an article of manufacture or a process, it could be a method, um, and patents protect uh, something that does something or is made in a certain way. There's also something called a design patent, which does protect the aesthetic aspects of an otherwise utilitarian product, so the way something looks. Trademarks protect the source of origin of a brand, so that could be uh, a slogan, a logo, a brand name, it could actually be a color or a smell, but it's something that tells you the source of the goods or services. So a trademark and a patent protect different aspects of a product, and it's possible to get patent and trademark and even copyright protection on the same product, but you're protecting different aspects of that same product. So they really should, someone really should come and talk to someone like yourself and your firm to discern which method they should use, how they should protect it, and as soon as possible because uh, of the, the new rules requiring uh, uh, you're protected from when you file. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a changing it's environment. I'm sorry? It's a changing environment in that, in that regard. It, it is a big change. It's, it's, a, it's a really big change and one that has far-reaching complications that we're not really going to understand for another decade. By the time the cases end up working their way through the courts and getting up to the United States Supreme Court and coming back down, we're not really going to understand the full ramifications of the law for another 10 years. So give me a, 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 just a brief example of some of the common planning mistakes you see out there. Sure. So, for example, if somebody has a company, and I know that you advise people on the end of their company and how to maximize value before they, they get out of it, if you have inventions, if you have technology, if you have something you're doing in terms of research and development, a failure to protect those adequately 
is basically taking assets and squandering them. You have something that could be very valuable, could be worth a lot of money to a purchaser, and if you don't adequately protect it in advance, basically you're taking, it's like taking inventory and just leaving the back door open. You, you, you've got inventions that could help a company protect itself by stopping competitors from competing too closely, and if you don't go ahead and, and protect those inventions, then what you've done is you've, you've, you've missed an opportunity. So when somebody's looking at maximizing value in a company, one of the things they should look at is doing due diligence to try to figure out who are the inventors, who is doing research, who might have something that they've come up with that should be protected, and then run those by a patent attorney to see whether it's, whether it's patentable. Have someone conduct a prior art search and patentability analysis to try to figure out whether in fact you could protect it, and if so, whether you should. Then, of course, there's the cost-benefit analysis of whether it's worth spending the money on it. But if you don't even know whether it's protectable, you've missed an opportunity. And, of course, some of those things become valuable only later in, later in terms of the company, in terms of years later when you're able to then sue a competitor. Great ideas, Mark. This is a really, really fascinating content. Friends, we're talking with Mark Hankin of Hankin Patent Law, and we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to ask him to share a few real-life stories and tips, ideas, and precautions that you can use so that you are well-planned. Are you a baby boomer business owner? What should you be doing now to prepare for your business exit in the next three to 10 years? What are your best tax, legal, and financial strategies you and your advisors should be implementing to protect and grow your business? These questions and their answers are discussed every day at ExitCoachRadio.com with a 60-second daily audio tip to help start the clock on your exit planning. And every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, we interview top professional advisors about ideas and precautions for business owners. ExitCoachRadio.com, the show for baby boomer business owners. And now back to Bill and his guest. Welcome back, friends. Just a quick reminder that to hear highlights of this interview and to listen to all of the shared wisdom of our past guests, please visit us online at exitcoachradio.com. I'm talking with Mark Hankin of Hankin Patent Law. Mark, that was a great first segment. And uh, in this segment, I'd like you to, if you could, give us an example of a recent client you've helped, what was their situation before you came on the scene, and how did your firm help them? All right. I'm in Boston on business right now, and I was out in Boston a couple of times during last year because I represented a company from Nashua, New Hampshire, who has invented a robot. You might have seen some of the commercials on TV. Verizon ran some commercials for the robot, which showed a little kid too sick to go to school, and he would raise his hand on the screen and answer questions in class as if he were sitting there. Mm -hmm. So those robots, they're called telepresence robots. My client in Nashua, New Hampshire, got sued by a company in Santa Barbara who alleged that the New Hampshire company had infringed five U.S. patents. We explained why they didn't infringe the patents, why the patents were not valid, and why they shouldn't sue our client, but they were not persuaded. So many depositions and a lot of discovery later, the case ended up going to trial in federal court in Los Angeles last November, right before it started right before Thanksgiving and ended right after Thanksgiving. And they were alleging that our client's product, the robot, infringed certain aspects of these patents we were able to demonstrate to the jury that the product did not work the way the plaintiff claimed it did, that the software code did not do what the plaintiff said that it did, and in fact that our product did not infringe any of the patents. We also were able to find a lot of the patents to be not valid, and the, the patent office found some not valid and the jury found some not valid. 
So essentially, it was a complete victory for our client, who's now selling a lot more robots than they were before, and Verizon's one of their biggest customers. And being able to protect this company, selling their robots, being able to have that technology on the market has helped a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. So if they had not come to you early on with that technology and probably had to be very, very thorough with their patents and trademarks in that situation, then they would be in a world of hurt right now. Exactly. They might have been out of business. How about, for, been out of business. How about for a small business? Do you have any small business stories of people that have an idea and they come to you for a trademark and the, the potential that they're going to need to enforce that at some point. Do you have any stories like that for us? Absolutely. We, we represent a lot of clothing manufacturers, uh, people that have jewelry lines, and some of these are small companies that have a great creative work they want to protect. And through copyrights and trademarks, we're able to assist them in protecting their inventions, their creations, so that they can go out and license them to bigger companies, sell them on Home Shopping Network, or sell them in stores in Los Angeles and throughout the country, and be able to protect themselves where they're, they're not able to have big legal departments and have a huge legal budget like some of the you know, nationwide companies have. But these small clothing companies and jewelry companies, they come to us for protection, and we're able to give them very nimble service at a very reasonable rate because we're a a small firm, we keep our overhead down, we're able to pass on the savings to the client, and we like working with small clients because, as I say, I think that's what's made America great in the first place, so it's, it's fun to work with those companies and really be able to make a difference in their lives and their businesses. And it all starts with an idea, so when they get an idea, you have a special uh, slogan yourself, don't you? I do. We protect <laughs> what you have in mind. Excellent. Intellectual <laughs> property. Excellent, excellent. So if I were to ask you for three tips, ideas, or precautions for our listeners, what would you tell us? Absolutely. Get legal advice earlier rather than later. Before you disclose, before you start the time clock running, get some advice, ask the questions. Second of all, think about what in your company might be of value. You know, I tell people that if you're selling more widgets than the other guy, there's got to be some intellectual property involved somewhere, whether it's a patent, a trademark, a copyright, a trade secret, some methodology. There's something that's driving those sales that's giving the your item more cachet than your competitors. That intellectual property can and should be protected in many cases. And then the third thing is a precaution. When you're a distributor, a manufacturer, value-added reseller, if you're selling somebody else's product, you want to make sure that you don't infringe. I've represented a no number of companies who've gotten caught selling products they bought from Asia, brought over here, looked like a good product, thought they could make a good amount of money on it, and it turned out that someone had a patent on that technology. Because they didn't search, they ended up selling those products and got caught in a big federal lawsuit. And a little bit of prevention could have helped them to stay out of that trouble. So I would advise people, to, before they take on a new product line, to consult legal advice and find out whether, in fact, it would be okay for them to sell those products. Excellent stuff. Okay. Uh, Mark, how do people or listeners get in touch with you to find out more about your services, and what do they find when they get there? Well, uh, <laughs> they can go to our website. We're actually in the midst of, of renovating our website right now over the holidays, putting on some videos and bringing it uh, a little more current, but it's hankinpatentlaw.com. And, of course, they can send an email to me, mark at hankinpatentlaw.com. I have, as I say, four associates who work with me as well and are in our Orange County office and our Los Angeles office. 
ready to take phone calls and speak to some of our potential clients and current clients and answer some of the questions that they have. One of the things that I learned long ago is that clients don't usually know what they need in terms of intellectual property. It's confusing. I often hear people say they want to patent a slogan or they want to trademark a way of doing something because they don't really understand some of those fine lines of things. And then, by the way, that's true of a lot of attorneys as well. So intellectual property attorneys, in my mind, shouldn't be as pigeonholed as some, pl some places think they should. We like to cross-train our people so they understand patents and trademarks and copyrights. They understand how to do the transactional work, what we call prosecution. I know that's counterintuitive. That's not like in the criminal sense prosecution, but that means prosecuting it with the patent office or the trademark office. And then also do the litigation. Because we cross-train people and we have them understanding from a number of different viewpoints and coming at it from different angles, our attorneys are better able to handle client questions and are better able to spot some of the issues that could get clients in trouble if left untreated and left uh, alone. And so we're able to provide high-quality legal service quickly at a very effective price. Excellent. Mark, uh, this has been a very illuminating discussion. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listening friends have as well. You've given us quite a bit of information. Great ideas. And again, it's Hankin Patent Law, H-A-N-K-I-N, Patent law.com and your your work phone number is 310-979-3600 thanks very much for being a guest on the show it was great and enjoy your time in boston and happy holidays to you thanks very much bill you too take care now happy new year friends we've been talking with mark hankin of hankin patent law where we're going to take a short break and when we come back my guest will be peter tentler so please stay tuned thank you for listening to exit coach radio 